We hope that this message encourages you today. For more information about us, please visit myfreedom.church. When I say the word faithful, what comes to mind? What do you think of? What associated words maybe do you think of? Just give you um, 30 seconds to think of that. Okay. Would anybody be willing to just shout out what they thought of or any associated words that came to mind when you thought of the word faithful? Just shout them out. Devoted. Consistent. Consistent. I like that. Committed. Steadfast. Steadfast. Love. Yeah. Anything else? Stalwart. Stalwart. Reliable. Reliable. A good egg. Oh, I like those. (laughs) That's good. So when some of the words that came to mind when I've been kind of looking at faithfulness is words like obedience, devotion, we had trustworthiness, loyalty, sacrifice, endurance, like that one. And, um, you know, living faithfully is pretty countercultural these days. People chop and change marriages and friendships like they chop and change their gas provider or clubs that they're involved with or... Um, you know, their location or even churches sometimes, looking for the next best thing that's going to be of a benefit to them. Loyalty and faithfulness are not trendy or particularly desirable characteristics in the world that we live in. And we live in a widely worldly culture that, in the West that wants quick fixes and ego trips. And by that I mean quick fixes, wanting to get somewhere without putting the hard graft in, without travelling the journey. They just want to be there. Okay, we live in a fast, kind of quick culture, don't we? And ego trips, where we want to get to is where is going to make us look good. And maybe, um, I'm not talking about anyone in this room, by the way, but the wider worldly culture. But we want to get somewhere that's going to make us look good, maybe increase our Facebook or Instagram followers. And um, yeah, that's not across the board, but that's kind of a general feel of what's going on. And um, I'm sure we could get into a whole kind of discussion around that. I'm not going to do that today because I want to talk about faithfulness. But I think it's normal for most people to want their lives to count for something, to have influence. And especially us as Christians, because we've got the good news and we want to advance God's kingdom. So we want to have influence and make a difference in a good way. Um. But in this, again, this age that we live in, our culture, particularly in the West, um, it's one of it's one of comparison. And I know I've spoken about this before, Um, but um, I think particularly with the rise of social media. Now, I have to be careful what I say about social media being married to Mark. Um, I'm I'm not against social media. I think it can be used for real positive purposes Um, And I think it should be. We should be using it. Um, But it does kind of foster this um, culture of comparison that goes on around us. And um, so, like, hypothetically, okay, there's all hypothetical people, but I might compare myself to the leader over there, church leader, who's got a thriving church community of nearly a 1,000 people, or um, the wife over here that gets up at 5.30 a.m. and prays for her husband before doing five loads of laundry and um, a Bible study, and before anyone else is awake in the household. Or maybe this woman over here who's running a charity and making incredible impact in her community and city. And that's all hypothetical. Um, But you can see how easy it is to look at somebody else and compare to where they are and um 
you know, sometimes we want so much what other people have. We want to be where they are. We want the life that they, they've got. And because we see their Insta stories or their Twitter feeds or we hear their podcasts. And, and we, we want that. We want that. But we've got absolutely or probably no idea how they actually got there. I saw a little thing on Facebook the other day, which is just a little kind of graphic that had a line um, that represented somebody's life. And then right at the end, a little bit at the end, was what you know about them. And that's so true, isn't it? We don't know the full journey of where people have, what people have been through, where they've, you know, to get where they, they are today. Um, so that's worth bearing in mind. We've got no idea about the sacrifices that they've made, the cost, um, that, that, you know, what it's cost to get them to that place. You know, we might see people preaching on a big stage or working with children in Africa, um, you know, inspiring people, making a difference. But we don't know a lot of their story. And we think, well, if I just make that change here or I manoeuvre myself there or maybe I change locations or jobs, you know, maybe I can have that as well. Um, it's good to aspire, by the way. It's good to aspire to, to what other people are doing and, and being and, and God can really use that in our lives. Um, God's got a plan for each of us though, hasn't he? And um, I don't know about you, but I find myself kind of reflecting on my life, periodically reflecting on my life to date. And, um, you know, what, what have I done? Who have I influenced? What difference have I made? And, and what have I got to show for my days and my years? And, and that's kind of the period that I've been in lately is just this reflecting, not navel-gazing, but just, just looking at, at my life, really, particularly the last 13 to 15 years. And, um, you know, I'm not talking about I've got an amazing family to show for my last 13 to 15 years, and um, that's wonderful. But, you know, for the kind of hard work and commitment that I've put in, I've been asking God, what, what is there to show for that? Um, I suppose I've been trying to kind of qualify and, and quantify um, the investment that I've made of my life. And, you know, sometimes when you're trying to quantify and qualify stuff like that, it can be pretty disheartening when you kind of open your hands and you think, hmm, what is it that, I'm, that I hold before me? But I'm not here to mope. This is not a moping session. <laughs> but I just wanted to tell you that because it's, it's caused me to question some, some things and it's allowed God to speak into my heart. And actually, during this time, I've been so convicted by God that I've been asking totally the wrong questions. You know how, how God does that? You know, you're going this and that and this and that. And then God goes, hang on, this. <laughs> this, is what, this is how I want you to think about things. This is what I want you to think. And actually, the questions that I should have been asking, not, well, what have I got to show for it? And, um, you know, those are the questions that I've, I've been asking. But actually, the questions that God wants me to ask is, have I been faithful in my relationship with him? Have I been faithful with what he's given me? And um, that's what I believe he requires of us. Not in a requires as in you must do this, but in relationship with him, what comes out of that relationship is that he's faithful to us. We know that, don't we? He's the faithful one, but that we are faithful in response to him. So I want us to look together at the parable of the talents. And that's in Matthew 25, if you want to turn there, from verse 14. And I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. 
Now, when I say parable of the talents, which is sometimes called the parable of the three servants, I bet you all, probably most of you in your head went, oh yeah, I know that. <laughs> but you know, sometimes, a lot of times, it's good to go and look again at what God wants us to show us. So I pray that God just opens the eyes of our hearts right now and that we can look into this and grasp a little bit more of what Jesus is talking about. So Matthew 25, verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they'd used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have got some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who would do nothing, even with what little they have, it will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I know this passage, this parable of the talents, it's usually quoted when we're looking at financial giving in the church, or at least that's where I've heard it used quite a bit. But that's such a narrow application of this parable, because Jesus is talking about the realm of the kingdom, which we know is much more expansive than just money. It includes money, but it's much more expansive And I believe that this parable, it's a picture of Jesus as the master. He's speaking to his followers about what it is that they're going to do with the heavenly deposit he's left with them on the earth. And there are a few things I want to draw out. The servants knew the master. He didn't give any instructions as to whether the servants should spend it, invest it, or just look after it as it was. All he said was, I'm entrusting it to you. But the servants knew, at least the two ones, you know, the servant one and two, um, who got a return, they knew the master had an expectation of faithfulness, that they would actually do something with what they'd been given. 
And the master knew his servants because it says they were given different amounts according to their abilities. So the master knew the abilities of the servants, of his servants. The two servants who were deemed loyal and faithful took a risk. They multiplied the money to give back to the master. They wanted to do the best that they could with it, with what they'd been given. They took responsibility and they honoured what the master had asked of them. But then there's the third servant who did nothing at all with the money and he was deemed lazy and wicked. And then his money was actually taken and given to the one who got the most return. In verses 24 and 25, it says that the servant, the third servant, says he knows the master's a harsh man and that he's afraid of losing the money, his money. And to me, this speaks of the relationship that that servant has with the master. He, he's fearful He's fearful of the master. And that's completely in contrast to the two other ones who did something with what they'd been given and got return. So to me, this parable speaks about living faithfully. And it's in response to the relationship with the one who is faithful. I'm sure you've heard this phrase said, um, that we live our lives before an audience of one. Any, anybody heard that kicking around? Kind of? We live our lives before an audience of one. You know, the Bible says that God's watching us, but it's not that he's watching us with a big stick ready to hit us over the head if we don't do right. But so I don't think it's helpful, this, this kind of phrase that I've certainly heard in, in preaches and, and teaches that we live before an audience of one because what it does is it produces a kind of performance mindset that God's watching my every move, so I better not step out of line and I better not do this or I'd better, I'd better go to that meeting or I'd better make that meal for that person because, you know, what's God going to do if I, if I don't do those things? He's, he's watching me. But how about instead we live our lives from a love relationship with God, with the one, Father, Son and Spirit? Um, and it's from that relationship that everything else flows. This is what produces faithfulness and obedience in us as a way of life. It's the fruit in us that flourishes because of the work of the Spirit. In Galatians 5.22, um, where it's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and in the Amplified Translation, it says this, that the, the fruit of the Spirit is the result of his presence within us. And I love that. It's that relationship with, we have with him. It's that intimacy that produces the fruit of the Spirit, which faithfulness is one of those fruits. And Romans 4.13 tells us that God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants, and that includes us, was based not on Abraham's obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. I believe that when we live faithful lives according to God's will and his calling on our lives, that we will see multiplication happen. Like in the parable of the talents, the servants who actually did something with what they'd been given. And like Abraham saw with his descendants, he didn't see the fullness of those descendants, but he saw it beginning. You know, there's a tension though, because we, we have to live with an eternal perspective, because the kingdom of heaven is now, but it's also to come. So there's a tension there. Um, take what it says in 1 Corinthians 3, and this is between verses 6 to 8, it says, some sow, this is Paul talking, some sow, some water, but God makes it grow. And we may never know on this earth the salvation that's come to lives where we have sown or watered along the way. And I just want to tell you a little story about, um, there was two girls I was with, uh, middle school, so between the ages of 9 to 13, 
Um, we had quite a large friendship group, and there were three Rachels in our group. It must have been a very popular name. I'm looking at John Elizabeth. Popular name around that time. And um, so, yeah, we would hang out. One of the Rachels was a daughter of an Anglican vicar. And one was, um, her parents were um, divorced, but they had, their background was, um, they, were, they went to a C of E church every now and again. So that neither of them had a real relationship with God, a personal relationship. And um, I used to invite them to stuff. I used to invite them to youth group and different things. But the thing that they took me up on the most was when I invited them around for tea. Um, and they'd come around for tea and we'd do what we always did, which was sit around our table and we'd give thanks to God for our meal. And then we'd chat about the day, um, you know, all the happenings of the day and just the stuff of life. And we'd include them in the conversation. And, um, and, and yeah, that was great. It was great that we felt kind of that was a normal part of our life. So we just felt that we just include whoever came to tea in that Anyway, so we went through middle school, and I, I prayed. I prayed that they would come to know God. They had some knowledge of God, which sometimes helps. <laughs> um, but they had some knowledge of God, and I just really prayed, Lord, draw them to you. And I just pray that one day they'll come to know you in a really real way. But we got to the end of middle school, went on to high school. They actually, these two Rachels, went to my high school. But we kind of made friends with different people. We were in different classes. So friends, but not as close. Um, and, um, you know, I still prayed for them, um, but I didn't see anything happen. And um, then after A-levels, we went our separate ways. They went to uni, different unis, both of them. And I went to America to study at a mime school and go to Bible college for two years. And um, it was when I got back from being over there that I got a call to the landline. Remember those landlines? Um, we, don't, we don't have a landline anymore. <laughs> but yeah, there was a call to the landline, and it was one of the Rachels. And she said, um, we'd really like to meet up with you, her and this other Rachel, because um, we've got something to tell you. So I didn't ask at all. I didn't even really wonder what that was. I just thought, oh, I'm really chuffed that somebody's got in touch and wants to meet up. That would be great. So we arranged to meet the next week. And um, they just, when we we just met up in a local cafe in Headingley and when they when I saw them they looked really different um and it was it was a supernatural thing it was a spiritual thing um but I didn't I didn't kind of I just thought oh they look a bit different I wonder what's going on um so we sat down I could just tell they were dying to tell me what it was that they wanted to tell me but the waiter came over ordered our food and stuff and as soon as he left the table um, they said what we want to tell you is that we both became Christians a few months ago and um, in both separate unis different unis um, they just met other Christians um, who just helped them along their journey and yeah and I was oh, so overjoyed I can't tell you um, and they, they wanted to say thank you. They wanted to say thank you to me and thank you to my family for just demonstrating what it was like to have a real relationship with God and that it was a really normal, natural thing and just for including them and showing them the love of God. And um, so I was so overjoyed that they came, both of them came to know God and just for the small part that I played, pre- played in that. Um, and, you know, now they are both raising families. They've got four kids each. And they're raising those families to know God. Um, and it's just, God is faithful, isn't he? God is faithful. But we don't always find out that end bit of the story. Um, yeah, we don't always find out. 
and we can wonder, can't we? Mm. So, you know, I invested in that person, but then they walked away or they moved and I've never heard from them again. Or, you know, and we, we want to connect the dots up of, of what God's doing, but we, we, we don't always know the, the full picture of that. Um, but I want to encourage you, keep being faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful in your relationships. Be faithful in sharing your story with others. Be faithful in the way that you live because you will influence people. You will have an impact on people that you may never be aware of. We bring glory to God when we live faithful lives. And when we live faithful lives, we become changed on the inside to be more and more Christ-like. Faithfulness isn't about obligation. It's not about duty. It's not for the reward It comes as a result of intimacy with God and in response to his faithful love. Philippians says that there is an upward calling of God on our lives. I love that. There's an upward calling of God on our lives. Stu was singing earlier and prophesying, come higher. God's saying, come higher. There's an upward calling of God on our lives to encounter more of heaven so that when we live with a heavenly eternal perspective on earth, we will influence whoever's around us, the atmosphere around us, the environment around us. So there's some things I want to encourage you to be faithful in. So be faithful in your time. Be faithful in your energy that you expend. Be faithful with your money, your possessions and your home. Be faithful with your story, your testimony of what God's done, the gospel. Be faithful to your body. Take care of your bodies. Take, I'm speaking this to me too, because we're the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth, and our bodies enable us to have relationships with other people and to do God's work. So let's be faithful to our bodies. Be faithful with your words and your thoughts. Be faithful in prayer. And the, the Bible says be faithful in an intercession. Be faithful in reading and studying God's word, and be faithful with, in your fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Be faithful in your relationships with God first, then your families, so parents, siblings, you might have a husband or children, and then your church family, your friends, your neighbours, your work colleagues, your local community. Be faithful. 1 Corinthians 7.20 in the Passion Translation says, so everyone should continue to live faithful in the situation of life in which they are called to follow Jesus. That basically doesn't gives no get out clause (laughs) it says be faithful in the situation of life in which they're called to follow Jesus which is any situation of life we find ourselves in at any given point in our lives so we yeah be faithful um faithfulness starts at home faithfulness in serving our families in just the mundane stuff of life the never-ending piles of washing, the endless days of making pat lunches, which I know some of you are over that, the dealing with toddler tantrums multiple times a day, the comforting of children night after night when they're sick or having bad dreams or just waking up in the night, caring for ageing parents, the list goes on. Be faithful in every season. I remember a few years ago, I was so grumpy making sandwiches for the kids in the morning before school. And I, re- I just really resented it. I got to that place. I resented it. It was so boring, so mundane. Oh, just hated it. And God really convicted me. He reminded me of that verse in Colossians 3.23. Do everything as unto the Lord. That means everything. Making pat lunches, polishing shoes, whatever. 
do everything as unto the Lord. And I realized that me making sandwiches for my kids in the mornings, every morning, was me outworking my faithfulness to God and to what he'd given me, which is my family. You know, I know I've told this story quite often, but when Mark and I, um, our first conversation together, he said to me, what do I want to do in life? What do you want to do in life? And I hesitated and then said, well, I'd, I really want to be a wife and a mum. And then waited for the response. And you probably have heard me say that he said that was really refreshing to hear. But God reminded me, that's the family you told Mark about way back when. That's the family you're making pat lunches for now. And the desire of my heart is who I was making pat lunches for. Um, And I can honestly say that was a turning point. And God really changed me. And I actually, because I saw what was behind that menial, mundane task... Um, And I saw God's faithfulness in the children that he'd given me. Um, He just turned it around. And now I take joy in doing it. I certainly don't complain about it anymore. Although it is nice when someone else gets up and and does it for me. (laughs) Which does sometimes happen. It's great. (laughs) Do you know, the hardest time, I'm going to wrap up now, the hardest time to be faithful is when you're in the middle section of something. Has anybody ever moved house in this room? I know my sister is just about to. Um, You know that part when you've got your moving date and it's about one week to go and absolutely everything is just everywhere. You've just got piles of stuff. You've got some things packed in boxes that you don't need to keep, you know, use at this moment in time. You've got stuff to go to the recycling centre, the charity shop. You've got piles of papers you don't know what to do with at this given time, which is going to be put in a box somewhere. And it's just a whole lot of, like, mess and and disorganisation. That's a good example of what it's like to be in the middle of something, a small example. Um, but, you know, we can be in the middle, middle of things for a long time. We can be in the middle years of our lives, of our marriages, of parenting, of our friendships, of the church we're involved with, of our jobs. And those years can seem like they just stretch on for all eternity. The start of something is fun, isn't it? It's fun and it's exciting, it's engaging. You take, you're enthusiastic, you're energetic for it and you you really enjoy it. But it doesn't take faithfulness to start something. It takes faithfulness to stick with something and see it through to the end, see it through to the finish line. Um, On Facebook, I know Mags might remember this, but a few weeks ago or a couple of weeks ago, I asked people who'd run a marathon, um, what was the hardest part of the race? Um, And... Most people said it was miles, I think it was 12 to 20, which is the middle miles. Am I right, Mags, around that? 12 to 20. And, um, you know, a marathon is like our, our race of life that we run. It's not a sprint, is it? it's not a 100-metre dash. It's, it's like a marathon. And the middle years can be really, really hard. And we have to dig in. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14 says... I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I want to encourage you to keep being faithful whatever you're in the middle of. And I'm not suggesting that it's easy at all. We've probably all been at that point with one thing or another of just throwing the towel in. That's it, I'm done. Do you know where that comes from, the throwing the towel in? 
boxing. Yeah, the, the coach will, um, when his fight has been defeated, he'll actually throw the towel belonging to that person into the middle of the ring. Done, it's over, defeated, no more fighting. And we can feel like that sometimes. But people of God, there is an upward calling on your life and my life. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. Amen. So I want you to be encouraged as well. So we, we, don't, we live faithful lives out of response um, to the relationship that we have with God to, in response to his love for us. But the Bible does say there is a reward Okay, so we don't do it for the reward, but there is a reward that comes from that relationship we have. And um, I did a bit of study around this, and um, I encourage you to actually look about, uh, look at what it says in Scripture about being faithful. I've got a sheet for you to take away, which has got all the references I've Bible references I've used today to maybe help you um, to look at this a bit more. So I just want to quickly go through them. I won't give you all the references because that'll take ages, but. The Bible says, when we self-sacrifice, we discover more and more of true life. You can say yes to these things if you want. The faithful person is drenched with blessings. When we're faithful to the point of death, it says, we receive the crown of life. Faithful lovers of God inherit the earth and enjoy every promise of God's care, dwelling in peace forever. Wow, I want that. God enjoys his faithful ones, it says. He adorns the humble with his beauty and loves to give them victory. When we're faithful to the end, we will experience life and deliverance. The faithful servant, for the faithful servant, the master will raise him up and put him in charge of all he owns. When we're faithful to the end, we'll be saved, it says. When we're faithful with a small amount, we'll be put in charge of much, much more and experience the delight of the master. When we're loyal to God, he protects us. The trustworthy person receives a rich reward. And when we're devoted to God's commandments, it brings us into freedom. I love that. When we're devoted to God's commandments, it brings us into freedom. So we're going to have just a short song um, to end. Um, because I think this, this word certainly for me has, has caused a response in my heart. And I think it's an opportunity for us all to respond. And so maybe you feel defeated in the season that you're in or whatever situation you're going through. And God wants to minister to you right now and empower you in a fresh way to dig in, to keep going, to keep running your race. And maybe today's an opportunity to commit to being faithful in your walk with him, to get serious about it, to lay other things aside and fix your eyes on Jesus And maybe God's been speaking to you while I've been sharing and has just highlighted maybe a specific area that he wants you to be faithful in. It might be finances. It might be friendship. You know, I personally have gone through quite a hard time in terms of friendships over the past few years. And I've had to come to the place where I'm like, even though I've wanted to shut down and not invest in anybody ever again, (laughs) that's not what God's called me to. He's called me to be faithful in what he's put in me with other people. He made me a people person for a reason. Um, So I can't just shut that down and go, no, I'm not doing that anymore, because there's an upward calling of God on my life. So maybe there's a specific area that God has been speaking to you about of faithfulness. Um, Maybe today, like me, you've had to put 
um, aside that mindset of I've got to perform for God and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to do the other and, or do things out of obligation. Maybe God wants just to put you on a different track today that it's about relationship with him. So most of all, God wants all of who you are, all of who you are. He longs for relationship with you, for intimacy with you. He wants to transform you from the inside out with his unfailing, never-ending, faithful love. So let's just come to him now as we, as we just sing this song, just in your own heart, whatever, in whatever way you want to, just respond to what you've heard God say this morning. Whether you are listening or watching, we hope you enjoyed this message. Please consider giving us a rating on your preferred podcast provider. If you're watching, please hit the subscribe button and click the notification bell so that you never miss another video from Freedom Church.